what inspired you to write your latest book on iOS interviews? Okay, so I think the question uh, is like short, but the answer is not that short for me. Uh, I'll take you back to why we started creating this, all the, all the content that we create and uh, why we wrote the book and what is inspired us to create the book. So, uh, you know, cut back to 2021 when we started Swifter in Time uh, as a community and started creating content for free as a team of iOS developers from India. So we used to write articles in the initial phase and we saw that people were liking what we were creating at that time. So we started organizing offline meetups all around India, uh, mostly in Delhi, Bangalore, and other major cities, metropolitan cities. And we found that the community is liking uh, to gel up with each other, to learn from each other. And, uh, and we also loved that. Along with our job, we were doing this. So we were enjoying engaging with our own community. I hope you also like the same thing. Uh, in this year, like 2023, we released the book, like I'm cutting this short. So we released the book in 2023, around July. Uh, and the reason behind releasing the book uh, was that uh, for last one and a half year, we all are seeing that uh, there are being massive layoffs. Uh, the market, uh, the job market is not really going that great. And people are looking for opportunities. They keep uh, messaging us and our team uh, for if they can refer somebody at their company. And they keep posting on LinkedIn, on Slack communities and whatnot. So we thought that why don't we create something that can help people to at least uh, help them help them in their process of uh, preparing for their interviews uh, at least 90%, if not 100, right? So that's when we, you know, sat together as a team and decided to create a resource, uh, which eventually turned out to be an ebook uh, that can have the best content, refined content. And for that, we decided to, you know, talk to a lot of people from the community all around the world, mostly senior iOS engineers, so that they can give their inputs on what they feel is mostly asked and what is missing in most of the candidates if they interview them. So we figured that there are around 350 to 400 questions that we came across in, by you know going through this process. And we were just thinking loud that what if we create you know answers for all of them? It might, it would have taken like uh, maybe a year for us to complete that book if we were going ahead with 350 or 400 questions. So we decided to filter them down to 100 questions only, but those 100 questions should be like the most wanted sort of questions for the IOS interviews. And that's how we filtered them out. We wrote answers for them. We sent them back to all the people we interviewed with and they gave their feedback, their contribution to the same. We refined the book and we released the final copy in the month of July this year. And people liked it. So that's a win-win for both of us, like for Swift Anytime and the whole community. If they're liking it and if they are getting the value out of that, our job is done, right? And also there was one more factor that pushed us uh, not like that factor was not just creating something for the community, but also when you run a community and turn it into a company sort of thing, right? When you move towards a company, then you have a lot of expenses to manage. So me as a founder have a lot of things to take care of, not just the software tools that we use, not just the team that is there with us. Uh, but there are other, you know, uh, unexpected expenses that happens over the month. So I quit my job last year to pursue Swift Anytime completely. I decided to go ahead with this and leave everything else. And I exhausted my saving this year, almost around February. I was thinking that, you know, either we will have to uh, 
you know, call it off for the whole team or we'll have to do something. Money like goes that. quick, right? Yeah, the money goes quick. Earlier, you think that you have enough savings <laughs> and you can manage for maybe a year or two. But uh, the reality mm-hmm. is it's it's not that easy, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so they, these were the two reasons why we come up with a monetized product in term in in the form of an ebook. So we had two intentions: we need to create value for the community. At the same time, if we can earn something along with that, then that would be a win-win for both the parties. And that's what actually happened. Uh, our ebook has been taken very well by the community. Almost more than four hundred people have bought the book so far uh, on the records, mm-hmm. and uh, we have got some really great feedbacks. Uh, so we we always like when somebody comes back to us and say that okay this question that you wrote in the book uh, I you know I was interviewing this with this company and they asked me the same damn question and we were like <laughs> that's great <laughs> so so yeah uh, cracking the IELTS interview has been great and we are working on uh, you know other initiatives now yeah um what's the what's the biggest thing you learned in that process like talking to all these developers and like accumulating all these interview questions? Uh, I think the one thing that we figured out of this process was that not everyone knows everything, right? When we used to talk to, you know, senior IELTS lookers from around the globe, we used to see that some people think that there are a set of problems that are not that comfortable to IELTS lookers when they talk to them. And there are some other people from other side of the world that they think that, uh, these are the different set of problems that the people are not that much comfortable, not much comfortable with. So uh, we came across a different, like a variety of opinions and a variety of uh, experience levels uh, during that process. And that became a learning for us because we also had a perception about what people must be looking forward to, right? So when we talked with like more than 50 people in the community, we figured that, okay, we now have a whole, you know, conclusion of what should be made. So, yeah, that was basically our learning. Yeah. And then for the interview questions, is it, is it like technical stuff on like the SWIFT, like UIK Objective-C side, or is it, or, or does it also include like data structure and algorithm questions? So uh, to be precise, answering your question, there is no DSA at all in the book, but Mm -hmm. you would find core iOS interview questions. Like Mm -hmm. when I say iOS interview questions, it includes Swift questions, Swift UI questions, uh, how to modularize your code, uh, you know, all the clean architecture Mm -hmm. uh, topics and all the major topics that are there in iOS development, like maybe concurrency. So you'll find core questions on all those topics. And we do not approach those questions as if... uh, you know, just having a question and then answering them. We go with the approach of mm-hmm. writing the question first, then answering them well, then having a counter question for that answer and then answering it again. So mm-hmm. we try to make it as much realistic as possible. When you sit into the into the interview, you would be able to uh, think out loud that, okay, if I answer this, then they would be able to ask me this follow-up question. Yeah. And, and how do you feel about like the DSA type questions? Uh, me personally, as a as a student when I was back in college, uh, I was not that comfortable with DSA. And even today, I feel like uh, it's good. I would not be against DSA, but it's not really that much needed. Uh, it depends basically on the company's requirement, right? 
So if you're working with a startup having mm -hmm. 10 employees and they want to build their product, their first product, like the first version, then nobody cares about DSA at that time. But when you have a product that is uh, used by maybe 1 million people, then you definitely care about DSA because you have to optimize your application. You have to make sure that the performance is great. And for all those things, those fancy things to happen, you have to have a great hold on the basics, the foundation things. And I believe mm -hmm. DSA is one of them. So yeah. that's my like uh, diplomatic answer to uh, this question of DSA. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, DSA is always like a tricky subject, right? Because do that. I mean, do you that. don't really. You're like typically you don't apply it on the job like as an iOS developer unless maybe you're like at a big company you said where you have like right. domain users then you have to optimize right. it. And I exactly. took a weird path like I I did DSA I learned my DSA in Python. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's one more question in the community where people ask you that okay we we want to learn DSA but which language should we choose to learn DSA? Mm -hmm. So I think yeah. it's 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 a similar question to when people ask you. Should we go with Swift UI first or UI Kit? Yeah. Right? Both are great. Like any language is great. It's all about the mm -hmm. basics. If DSA is not uh, tightly coupled to any language, it's a, yeah. it's a whole knowledge in itself. It doesn't require you to pursue only one language or opt any other language. You can take any one, but the whole concept is like, how does data structures work? Why we do we use them and how do they actually perform in our application? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's. That's like the, 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 the fundamentals. Exactly. So based on like all this, like knowledge you gain, like, let's say I had an interview next week, right? Let's say next would, whatever, what is this Tuesday? So next Tuesday, let's say I had an interview. What would you tell me to do? Like, what would be your advice? So I would first ask you, uh, what type of company is that? If that, uh, if that's a like fresh startup. Uh, then I would advise mm. you to go ahead with uh, some projects that you have made before. If you haven't made any project, then you would actually be able to do that in, in a period of say one week, if you have that much time uh, using Swift yeah. UI, if you can do that. Because for a new startup, that uh, startup uh, basically consider you on the basis of what you have done so far in terms of practical work. Mm. So if you have some projects, you know, under your resume, then you have a green tick mark from their side. Apart from that, uh, the basic hold on like very fundamental topics of iOS development, like uh, having a great hold on Swift language, all the new concepts coming in, which were released this year as well, uh, all the new updates to Swift UI. So you must be well updated with whatever is going on in the community, uh, whatever new updates are coming to yeah. the framework or maybe the language that you are using. And apart from this, if you have a great hold on, uh, you know, API calls, how to call an API, how to handle the response, how to parse it and whatnot, this much is enough for a, you know, fresh startup. They don't want yeah. anything else. Now that's up to like, uh, who, who all interviewed with that startup, your uh, chart, mm -hmm. selection chart will be based on that. But if you prepare this much, then you should be like, good to go with that. Yeah. And, and, it, and it... it's different for... Uh... For like a, a different type of company, right? Yeah, if, if there is like a MNC, uh, so there are two types of MNC to be precise. There is one which works for other clients like uh, uh, companies like Tawant or maybe TCS, Cognizant, you know, these companies, you might have heard of any of these names. Mm -hmm. So these client, these companies has clients, so they are service-based companies. So they also follow the same sort of skill set. They have basic requirements, which I mentioned for the fresh startup. 
along with that you should have a strong resume with that i mean that you should be graduated from a reputed college maybe and you should have a good cgpa and whatnot and that is enough for these sort of companies now it comes to like the third one is like mang type of companies for these companies you do not really need mm-hmm. to prepare for ios things you know the core ios things these companies ask you like competitive coding questions bsa questions algorithm questions basically yeah. problem solving is their main focus and if you are good with problem solving and even if you are average with ios core concepts they consider you right because they want you to work on problems and solve them they don't want you to uh, define yourself or contain yourself in one box so maybe they will assign you a project that concerns with something related to android development maybe tomorrow they will give you something related to ios development after a month they will give you something which is related to web development so they treat you as a software engineer not as a ios engineer at all so yeah. that varies with companies i am not like giving a blanket statement to it but that's what i have seen with my friends who are working with maybe facebook or microsoft they are not attached to only one technology they are working with multiple over a time over a time period yeah 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 and i experienced something like that myself when i i mean i didn't go to like a fang or a type company or mang i it was like a big uh, financial service company so i see yeah, they they had us work on on things more than just ios i see and 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 for like um what about for like the behavioral side or like you know cuz let's say i have the technical side on lockdown right what about like the behavioral side and like actually communicating what i know do okay. you have advice on that behavior round is uh, is something that cannot be you know uh that cannot have a format to go ahead with otherwise if you have a format to go ahead with your behavioral round you will not behave yourself right uh, <laughs> there can be definitely certain values that you should follow while uh, giving that round of interviews uh, but uh, to learn something for behavioral round somewhat dilutes you as a person and your answers will also get diluted uh, so the simple road map to follow uh, in my personal opinion for behavioral round is just be yourself uh be kind to the person who is sitting you know uh, on the other side yeah. and don't uh, don't exaggerate your answers just be on the point just give a crisp and clear answer to them and that should you know that should be good yeah 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 <laughs> i think that's like solid it's solid well, yeah what do you like maybe practicing with uh, with a friend by about behavior rounds it's it's um i feel like it's something that is very easy to forget about right because like a developer right. like cuz you're so focused on the technical side and even even i've like i've been to interviews before and i totally for, like didn't prepare as much for the behavioral side <laughs> and when you don't i feel like when you don't prepare you need um it's a little tougher because you kind of need to have like some stories you don't need to have like the whole outline mapped out but you need to have some stories that you can refer to right because otherwise like you might like kind of like draw a blank and not really like be able to answer the question as well that's true that's true so sticking it interviews uh, just a little bit more what um what mistakes do you see developers make mhm while preparing or while giving the interviews 
um, while preparing and like going into the interviews, what mistakes do you see uh, okay. people make? Like based on my limited experience, I would not again, you know, give a blanket statement for that. But in my personal yeah. uh, opinion and observation, I've seen people uh, while preparing for the interviews, they specifically uh, when they learn a certain topic, uh, they restrain themselves to frequently ask questions on on those topics. They don't uh, go 360 around the topic. Uh, like, for mm -hmm. example, if I talk about, uh, say, static dispatch and uh, dynamic dispatch, then uh, whenever you ask somebody what is the difference between static dispatch and dynamic dispatch, they talk about, you know, uh, classes have inheritance. And when you have inheritance, you have a method inside that subclass. So that's where dynamic dispatch is, whereas static dispatch is this and that. So uh, mm -hmm. they only prepare for those cliche questions that have been already asked. They don't prepare for questions which can revolve around the same topic. For example, like the, on the same topic, we can have a different question. Maybe the interview will ask you, okay, we have a class and in that class, there are some methods and we have an extension of that class and that extension also has certain methods. So will you be able to use those uh, methods that are written in the extension if you inherit, inherit that class? And people are like going, you know, uh, balls over those questions. They are not being able to answer it well because they didn't prepare themselves for such variation of that certain topic. Mm -hmm. And then they might ask you, okay, if, if you can inherit them, then is it dynamic dispatch or static dispatch? So, mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's, that's where the main, you know, uh, pitfall is where people only prepare for one type of question for a certain topic. They do not uh, prepare yeah. the topic from a whole perspective. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's you what like I think understand people like the, the fundamentals. Yeah, that's, that's what, uh, the exact like point is like prepare it well as a topic, not as a question. So mm -hmm. dispatch and, you know, static dispatch, enemy dispatch are topics in itself. So prepare yeah. them as topics, not as, you know, versus questions, static versus dispatch or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, so these are the things uh, which people generally do, which I have seen personally. Apart from this, uh, when they are giving the interviews, uh, when they're asked maybe X thing, they start answering with Y and then they eventually come to X. So that creates a confusion to the interviewer that, you know, I asked you X and you were answering me Y first and then you are driving me to X in a way. Mm -hmm. uh, so they sometimes get confused with the answer. So don't mm -hmm. over explain. When you're asked to explain, then you do explain that. But don't over explain from your side in the first place. Also, while uh, giving your answers, sometimes people do not support their answers with examples, with practical examples. Mm -hmm. So like if somebody is talking about, say, uh, ARC, so they just tell the definition of ARC. They don't talk about the example that can be attached to that definition. They can take certain example, maybe hypothetically, and they can tell about, tell more about the same topic. So that's also something that I feel that people generally miss out while answering the questions in a real interview. And that backfired sometimes. Yeah, that actually, that's a good one because it, it could probably kind of feel like you memorized the answer. Right. If you just give a, like an answer, like a one or two sentence answer, and you don't give like an example or anything, it can feel right. like you just memorized the, the answer to the question. Exactly. And it also gives a feeling to the interviewer when you give the example. It also gives them a feeling that you know the topic well. Because you can support your argument with a real example. Otherwise, the same thing happens that you just mentioned that they think like you have mugged up 
the whole answer and you just you know vomiting it out yeah. in front of him <laughs> yeah. yeah and um something that you mentioned or a thought that was sparked in my head is so just, would you say is there a big difference between preparing for like a junior role interview or in a senior role is it just like more technical stuff they have to know or is there other stuff there's there's definitely a difference at the level of technical stuff that they know like mm-hmm. if we compare junior versus even mid level and seniors because uh when you work with a company as an engineer maybe you started as a junior engineer first like we mostly do mm-hmm. right nobody start with a senior role first so mm-hmm. we gradually learn certain things on our journey maybe we took 5 years to learn a certain thing we reached to a certain point in those 5 years whereas in the very first year you come across a very limited scope of things to work with like generally i have seen uh, working even myself working with only apis and ui stuff in the very beginning of my career as a one year to year experience level i have seen jira i used to work with calling the apis getting the response you know populating that on the screen using a ui table view and what not uh, but when you move uh, you know ahead in this journey you come across uh, certain uh, design pattern decisions that maybe your manager or lead has taken for the project or maybe you will have to get into that discussion of deciding what should we go ahead with uh, you may be uh, you may be a part of the discussion where you are talking about the architecture of the product that you are going to build if you are working with a startup a new startup or if or if you are working with a mnc then maybe you are optimizing what has already been you know decided and what has already been built so you learn about design patterns you learn about architecture you learn about the clean coding practices and that takes time that doesn't happen to you in a single day or maybe in a single year and uh, again that comes back to the preparation as well when you prepare for a role which is a junior level versus senior level you have these type of differentiations junior needs to care about all the basic stuff that's there they need to be very good with that and for senior you can be expected a lot of things which are maybe out of scope sometimes because every company has different hierarchy structures and different promotion structures as well in some company you will find people working as a senior ios engineer after 4 years of working with them in some companies you will find the same person uh, working as a senior ios engineer after maybe 6 or 7 years of experience so that also you know sometimes uh, set some un- you know unreal expectations for the people who are interviewing so you have to have a wide scope open for yourself when you're preparing for senior ios roles whereas when you're preparing for mid level or say uh, junior level whereas mid level is like in a very you know uh, wrong spot i would say because they are not considered to be junior and they are not <laughs> considered at the yeah. you know at the, <laughs> at the <laughs> highest level so they may come across a variety of questions sometimes they may ask they may yeah. ask you know very basic things and they get they get with the round and in some companies they may be uh, grilled down with a lot of things so my message to mid level is like you know prepare yourself well for all the things that can be expected out of a senior ios engineer maybe prepare at least 80% of what senior does and rest of what you think you should prepare you should do that yeah and and it's always like a look at the draw right like it always depends on the interviewer interviewer right like yeah. what question they're going to throw at you yeah i mean um, i have talked to uh, some you know engineering managers and some of them say that you know when it comes to senior ios engineers they do not really explicitly mention about clean architecture or anything like that they talk about uh, team management skills leadership skills uh, how good is your communication how well you can manage 
the sprints that you have, how well you can manage maybe the DevOps operation that may be there in the in the project. So it varies based on the company as well as the hiring managers that are there, like the engineering managers that are there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm I'm assuming you've conducted a few interviews before, right? What's your approach? You don't have to get specific if you want, but you, how do you approach so it when you're... Mostly I have taken uh, interviews of uh, either junior or mid-level because uh, when I was at mid-level, I was taking interviews of the you know, same experienced people. That was a bit funny mm-hmm. to me. At the same time, uh, that gave me a lot of experience as well while interviewing them. Uh, because some people, I expected them to be answering me well, uh, whereas they did the opposite. And for some, I was expecting, you know, they would not be performing and they performed really well. So, uh, uh, what was the question exactly? Can you repeat that? I just forgot. Oh, um, what, what's your what's your approach when you have to interview someone? What's my approach. My approach is uh, basically to ask them first what they feel most comfortable with. So, suppose I ask you that you know what's your best topic and what mm. uh, which particular framework or maybe oh. topic interests you the most. Based on yeah. that, we proceed with the questions. So if there is certain topic, which even I am not comfortable with, uh, maybe you have worked with ARKit and I haven't. So I would not go that mm-hmm. route, right? Because that I, in that way, I would not be able to assess you well. So in, in that particular uh, scenario, I can go with the basics again. Uh, or maybe if there is something else in terms of framework or anything core implementation, I can go ahead with that. Uh, but yeah, I generally try to approach interviews as an interviewer in terms of what the candidate knows well and then I try to take things forward in that direction. Oh, that's really nice. That's, yeah. that's cool. Man. Because that's cool. in my opinion, uh, interviewer's role is to select the people, not to reject the people, right? Uh, mm-hmm. We as interviewers should, you know, be empathize. should be empathetic to the people that are sitting, you know, on the other, other end of the table. So we should try our best to bring out their potential at the, at the time of the interview so that they can pass that round. Sometimes I have seen yeah. people doing this, even some of my colleagues used to do that when I was working with the company. Uh, they used to grill down the person until he or she just dies in the table. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they literally used to grill them down up to a limit that they, they felt underconfident at a point, right? So that's not a right approach to go ahead with interviews. I believe uh, your job as interviewer is not to make yeah. them feel ashamed of themselves. So if you're not uh, yeah. getting any answers from their side, just wrap it up quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, if you see some potential, just go ahead with that. Yeah, that's really good, especially because like the the uh, these persons or people will potentially be coworkers. So yeah. like, if not in this company, <laughs> in some other company, because people keep rotating their companies, like switching companies. So yeah. if maybe you are not working with them in this company, maybe you will switch someday, mm-hmm. and you you meet the same person who you grilled yeah. down someday. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that be not, <laughs> not just because of your personal interest. I think uh, it should be uh, considered as a humanly nature where you should not really harass them while having the interview. Mm-hmm. Whereas some people do, which is unfortunate. Yeah, yeah that's not like very nice. That's kind of harassing. I have particularly seen like there's a friend of mine who he's interviewing these days uh, with some companies and uh, he he came across a round uh, in a good company, reputed company, uh, based out of Indonesia. And uh, that company's uh, like the hiring, like the person, the interviewer at that time, he asked uh, my friend that, uh, are you comfortable with this topic? 
and he said yeah a little bit and then he uh, you know <laughs> drove the whole interview around that topic mm-hmm. <laughs> so 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 they try to sort of harass you sometimes but sometimes yeah. there are great interviewers as well yeah yeah all right and the the last the last question i really have on like the job and like interview process is what advice do you have like right now like during this down market i would say for people who are applying so currently you would see that you know uh, there is high competition in the job market and for you to be able to stand out you'll have to do something extra right either you have a hold on the basics maybe at the highest level maybe somebody would not be able to compete with you at that level uh, when it comes to answering a certain topic uh, maybe you have worked on certain projects that really stands out uh, not just op- not projects like to do app and what not you should have certain thing uh, which really works well uh, which has a good uh, feature a set of features and that is also published on the app store so like there's one more thing if you have an application made by yourself like an indie application published on the app store that's a plus for you if you are preparing as a junior or maybe a mid level because uh, that proves in itself that you know stuff right you know the thing mm-hmm. uh, apart from this definitely uh, if you really want to grill down into ios development topics then you can go ahead with some resources out there uh, which are free of cost uh, i see there are a lot of articles videos out there that are for free so you can prepare for that right and eventually if you want a collective resource then there is that as well i would not like to plug it in again then you can get so, the book then you then you get the book yeah you can plug it in <laughs> you can buy the book right <laughs> buy it so that you will be able to achieve it i think there are a lot of ways yeah. to do the same thing so uh, if your budget allows go ahead with that if your budget doesn't allow go ahead with the free resources available um ultimately there is dsa which sometimes becomes a filtering round for many companies so if you go ahead with at least the basics of dsa where you prepare the linked list questions we prepare stack queue all those other topics like three basic questions and the search questions like there are many uh, topics in searching as well if you prepare at least the basic part of dsa then also you should be good right so don't overstress yourself but at the same time make sure that you are standing out with doing something extra than the existing competitors that are there in front of you also diversify yeah. when you apply some people apply in a certain region only like it's the era of remote jobs so apply all over the world you never know where you will get shortlisted mm-hmm. and you will get the round clear as well so Yeah, yeah specifically for people who apply only maybe in, in their own country or anything like that look around the world go to wellfound.com apply to multiple companies read their jds and based on that modify your resume as well also your cover letter based on that and then apply do not apply the same formula with all the companies many companies are more oriented towards maybe ml some companies are more on like i came across a opening uh, some months back i i believe uh, after dubdub uh, so this uh, company was expecting you to have experience in vision os <laughs> yeah and the experience <laughs> level that was required was 5 years <laughs> so never apply to such companies which has like you know yeah. which which don't like the company that doesn't even know their own basics so don't apply to those companies 
but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah when you apply make sure that your resume also resonates with what they are asking for and do not fake that if you don't have it don't write that whatever you know whatever you have worked on only write that much uh, but try to match it up a bit with what they're asking you for and that's pretty much it yeah yeah that's that's pretty solid yeah cuz you definitely need to find a way to stand out in, exactly. uh, in like the crowded saturated market we have now and especially cuz now like the amount of jobs is a little bit less than it was like a, like a 2021 yeah like the job market is again opening up uh, but the frequency at which it is opening up is not is still that great uh, I believe by the end of uh, maybe first quarter of next year, we might see some good news coming in because fresh quarter will be there. Maybe there will be certain positive things that will happen. That's our optimist, optimistic side that says that. There's no statistic yeah. more to that, okay? Uh, but considering all the you know new things that are coming up, new year is coming, new quarter is going to come up. Uh, every company gets a new budget. So I believe there will be a lot more openings coming in. Uh, so make sure you prepare well before applying so that while, while there would be more openings, you you would not be investing your time in just preparing. So uh, there's a yeah. saying that uh, if you sweat before the war, you don't bleed in the war, right? So so you, you need to, That's a good you need saying. to prepare. <laughs> you need to prepare now so that when there will be openings, you should you would be able to make it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the solid. Solid advice. Thanks. <laughs> um, now I want to kind of transition and talk about, so how did you get into iOS development? How did okay. we all get started? So when I was back in my college in the year 2016, 17, I was in second year of engineering and uh, I came across this bootcamp in our college uh, that was at minimal cost. And one of the faculties that was conducting that bootcamp was also one of my favorites at that time. So I thought I should consider, you know, applying for that. And uh, that bootcamp has two options. Either you learn iOS development or you learn Android development. So everyone around me used to say that, you know, iOS is cool and whatnot. So you should go for iOS, not Android. So I got influenced by the people around me and I, <laughs> I go, go ahead with, I, I decided to go ahead with iOS development. I also talked about this at my home. Uh, I used to discuss these things with my mom and my, you know, uh, elder brother. They also advised me to go ahead with iOS versus, you know, the Android development. Uh, so I, you know, took my shot and uh, it worked for me. Uh, I learned the basics in the bootcamp. I didn't get too much out of it, uh, but it gave me a head start. So I learned the yeah. basics of Swift from there. I started dragging, dropping things like buttons and whatnot in the UI storyboard, uh, the main storyboard. And after that, when the uh, bootcamp ended, I started watching YouTube videos. There were some channels which are not available today, I guess. Uh, but there was one of them uh, with the name Jared Davidson. Uh, I used to watch his videos. Uh, I used to watch oh, uh, some Davidson. other. Yeah, I used to watch some other YouTubers' videos as at that point, and that not just made me learn iOS development, like all that collection of you know content, but also gave me an idea or maybe inspiration, I should say, uh, to start creating content myself. So looking at some of the videos, I thought, why can't I make a video as well, right? I don't know like uh, why this idea came to my mind, but yeah, it came to my mind. So I decided to make a video maybe on a simple segue that we can put in between two view controllers. So I decided to, <laughs> to give a demo of, you know, how you can put in a segue 
programmatically and you know uh, in in the storyboard manner both the ways so the first video that i created was back in 2017 and that's when i started learning i was looking more seriously uh, also i started creating content on youtube uh so that was my start into as development and when my college completed in 2018 the only thing i knew out of my college was i was development because i dedicated two of my years into that uh even when i started learning it Wait, i was half day yeah i have a question yeah. so like what were you what really cuz you were considering android right cuz android has a big hold on like the india market right yeah So is so, there was there like one particular thing that that pushed you over the edge to go Apple or what how was that decision process So the decision process uh, was definitely this point was also considered while I was deciding this that okay uh, you should compare the demand and supply right So in India there is a huge demand of Android developers and there is a huge supply as well of Android developers Whereas if you talk about iOS development iOS developers there is a good a decent amount of uh, you know demand of ios developers in india but a very poor supply at that point like back in 2017 i'm saying so i thought like i searched this on linkedin and whatnot like how many developers are there i just search for their tags and whatnot I, and i had a rough data of you know what should be the best so uh, as a as my common sense says that okay yeah. you should go ahead with where the supply is you know less and you can mm. have a great chance on that side and that really worked okay so i i decided to go ahead with that mm. also coming back to uh, my journey of learning as development mm. uh, while i was creating videos i was le- i was learning more topics into as development i came across these seniors of mine at college that approached me uh, while i got a internship as well at the same time as an ios intern uh they approached me the same day when i got selected into a company as an intern uh they said that uh, you know we want to build this application for residential societies in india and uh, we want to build android and you know ios application and we know that you are learning as development these days and you have a macbook and what not whatever is required so why don't you join us and you know we will be co-founders and we will be you know doing this and that so that really intrigued me at that point i never thought of uh, uh getting into entrepreneurship at that time the only idea that comes that used to come to my mind at that point was okay i'll finish up my college and i'll do a job i'll get a better job and you know my life will be stable i'll get settled but that one thing changed my idea of how should i take my career forward i worked with them for the whole year of 2018 and uh, things didn't work well at the end but that gave me a learning that you know there is not only one way to uh think about your career going ahead you can do more than just a job no disrespect uh, to whoever does a job but i'm just saying that there is more scope to what you can do or what you can pursue as a career after learning yeah. something so yeah uh in 2019 uh, i had to decide what should i start with now because i just ended up with a startup that didn't work so mm-hmm. i thought i should first get a job and then think about something else Yeah. So so I started applying for it and I got my very first job at that point. Mm-hmm. Ah. I see. So the what was the hardest part in you when you were learning like on your journey? When I was learning, okay. I think uh I would not say the hardest part. Um yeah. 
but i think uh, maintaining the consistency to learn something i would say not just isolement is really tough to manage because when you are halfway through it when you think that okay i have covered most of the topics then you leave what you are learning and you start you know doing other stuff so uh, at that time you have to recall why you started learning in this in the first place and that keeps you attached to the goal that you uh, decided to go ahead with in the first place uh, so i think maintaining consistency while learning was the hardest part for me apart from that there were few topics that were really confusing in the very beginning for example closures uh, yeah, i think closures, yeah. i think till till 2018 i was confused about <laughs> closures i started learning in 2017 and till the end mm. of 2018 i was mm. still not sure about closures i used to use them but i was not mm. really sure about how do how do they work right mm. so <laughs> i used to figure that at that time uh, so yeah that was something that really uh, <laughs> that was really painful but uh, i i really got some great seniors with me when i started working professionally and uh, they really made me made things really simple for me uh, which i used to think were very complex in isolement yeah yeah like when you're when you're early on i feel like that's very easy to do that you can overcomplicate things or you can think like it's yeah. you have to like be super technical or like you basically just overthink like the a topic or a thing and when it's right. actually like simple and you don't um you need to exactly. overcomplicate like, things because i think our perception about ourselves at that point is also that we are new to it so maybe this mm-hmm. topic is tough yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and and when and when some people around you also say that okay this topic is complex whenever you will come across this topic make sure that you read it well or you learn it well then you already have this thing in mind that okay this topic is going to be very complex for me mm-hmm. so maybe those things also you know uh, gave their contribution to why i thought that this topic is complex but yeah i made my i made my way through it and uh, till like today i feel like uh, whenever you come across something new that you want to learn even in iios development or maybe some other tech stack uh, the initial 7 or 14 days will be really tough for you if you survive those for 7 14 days then you would be able to have a hold on that topic otherwise just forget it yeah yeah, yeah. that's that's true <laughs> <laughs> because that really tests your patience when you are stuck with a topic you are not being able to run your code your error yeah. you are not being able to understand the error even when you search it on google you are not getting the answers there's a time when you decide do i really want to go ahead with this <laughs> or should i just shut shut on yeah. my laptop and go yeah you will help me as i try to like take a break like cuz sometimes you you get stuck and like It's pro- it's better to like take a break than just sit there and like keep banging at your head at it. That's true. That's true. Uh, there was like this is coming like randomly to me but uh if you don't mind telling me that uh I was working with some company in uh, 2020 and uh I was asked to build a feature, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, in a certain way like using a certain uh, way of writing the code. So I initially did that and uh, told my tech lead that okay I have done this and I have raised a PR for that uh, whenever you get the time please uh, you know take a look at that. Uh, and then I went to a evening walk and while you know while walking I was thinking about the same problem that I just you know worked on the same feature that I worked on. Yeah. And suddenly I I thought that what I have done 
is absolutely wrong. <laughs> I need to go back and change it, you know, completely. So I rushed back home and and I and I made the changes right at that point. And I messaged him again that okay, have you checked it already or are you going to check it out? He said I'll check it tomorrow. I was like, okay, thanks. <laughs> So yeah, that that happens. That that really happens. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, what is Swift Anytime to the for the people who don't know? Okay, so I hope that uh, many of the viewers of yours maybe already know SwiftAnytime dot com. For but for those who don't know SwiftAnytime, it's basically a learning platform and a upskilling platform for iOS developers who want to start their career and upskill themselves on the same journey. So, starting from junior to senior to staff role. If you want to upskill yourself, if you want to continue learning, if you and if you consistently want to grow as an iOS developer, then Swift Anytime is there for you. Uh, we are a community-driven platform, and we consider the community's point, and based on that, we create whatever we create. Currently, we have one new product uh, on our website. You can find it out. It's cracking the iOS interview ebook. So that ebook is there for you to help you out with your next IELTS interview preparation. So if you find difficulty preparing for your next IELTS interview, go check that out. I think Jason will, uh, you know, tag all the links in the description so you can find it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's Swift Anytime for you. So what was the inspiration for Swift Anytime? So the inspiration for Swift Anytime was uh, that I, when I used to learn IELTS development in the very beginning phase. I used to find out a few platforms from where I used to learn, and at some platforms I I, I didn't even used to find the problems that I was looking forward to. So mm-hmm. I had this thing in mind when I started my career uh, as professional IELTS developer back in 2018-2019 that if I get the opportunity, I will also create a platform that can serve to the community, where when somebody looks out for a certain problem or somebody wants to learn something new in IELTS development, they can easily find it out. On our platform, so it started with that approach. Uh, we made sure that uh, this platform would be community driven. So we have a Slack channel uh, where there is like more than fifteen hundred IELTS developers who are connected with us, who share content, who you know discuss ideas, who write in code help whenever their bugs are not uh, getting you know uh, yeah. <laughs> getting solved. So all these things happen. We we organize the meetups so that we can reach out to the people and ask them what is that that they are looking forward to in our development so so far we are limited to uh, india only as far as meetups are concerned offline meetups are concerned and we want to take it to the whole world we want to organize our meetups you know in every corner of this world where tech exists and in that yeah. mission if you feel like jason even you if you feel like you can join uh, you know yeah. hands with us on the same you're welcome for that and anybody who's listening Come to, to this podcast <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and anyone who's listening to this podcast if you feel like you can re- you resonate with this idea you want to uh, communicate with the community you want to engage with the community and you want to grow yourself with them then consider joining swift anytime Perfect. I think I want to wrap it up here. I really enjoyed the conversation. Where can the people find you? You can find me easily on Twitter uh, with the username iOS Mayank. And I have a YouTube channel as well where you can watch the content that we create. Uh, it's again yeah. youtube.com slash, you know, C slash iOS Mayank. And uh, to read the articles that we create, to 
look at the products that we are going to create and we have created, you can check out swiftanytime.com. Is that is that where the they can find the book, right? swiftanytime.com. Yes, that's where they can yeah. uh, you know find out the book swiftanytime.com/trackingtheisinterview. That's the URL. I'll mm. share that with you. You can maybe you know put yeah, it here. Yeah, other links will be in the description. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of the I Was Dev podcast. If you enjoyed the show, feel free to share this with a fellow developer. And if you want to support the show, you guys can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, whatever platform you're listening on, and even consider joining the Patreon. Lastly, check out iosdojo.io if you guys want to level up your skills or have some courses there. Peace.